Hello, hello, everyone. Hi. Doing? It's that time. Money Mondays. Money. Money Mondays. Man, guys, we have so much in store for you guys, but thank you all for tuning in to another episode. Like, look at Betty's face. She's super excited for our guest. I know. <laughs> I really am. I really am. I, I really want to get into it, but um, I wanted to tell, I, I know that you had an amazing week at the conference that you went to. I wanted, I wanted you to just tell us a little bit about that, you know, um, well, how, how was it? Man, so if the conference that Betsy's talking about is Fond Launch Live. It happened last weekend at Miami. Um, I think um, Bridger Pennington was the one that hosted it. And it was all about um, how to start a fund, how to structure a fund, um, how to find people to get into your fund, all those fancy stuff. But it was really good because it was eye-opening in terms of learning how to raise capital for a certain amount of money. Because the approach that you take to raise a five mil or a 10 mil or a hundred mil is completely different than raising for a $30,000 deal. Um, I was thinking we should do an episode about that, just going into the details of the stuff that they spoke about. Yeah, I think we definitely should. Um, you guys, let us know. Would you guys like to see that? I wouldn't. I want to. Definitely. <laughs> there was like a lot of gems that was dropped. Like some small things that you would never think about of how people find other persons with like large capital, like simple things. Mm-hmm. And you're like, ah, oh, that makes so much sense. And I'm like, I'm going to implement all these stuff. <laughs> I, I loved that. I had serious FOMO seeing all your stories and then also seeing like people that I follow, like Bina Jetty and Pace Morby, that they were there. And it was just so cool to see you guys. Pace like he crushed the entire presentation. I think a lot of like Pace even went over his time. Persons wanted him to continue to explain about buying uh, real estate or businesses or a bunch of different things using creative finance. And like people's mind was mind blown. They're like, is this even possible? Which is insane. But no, it was good. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Well, I'm glad you had a great time and I'm excited to hear more about it. And um, we just wanted to say happy Mother's Day to all the moms, bonus moms, angel moms that are out there. Uh, This weekend was amazing for me. And I know those mompreneurs, hopefully you guys had a good break with your families. Did you have a good Mother's Day? I did. I did. I got to spend some time with my in-laws. It was it was fun. We had like a big celebration for um uh, my husband's grandma she's getting up there in age so we were really excited to celebrate her and she we had an amazing time I, I cried a lot <laughs> <laughs> no that's really good because I remember I texted you I was like oh yeah she's really busy because normally you would respond already but you know what? it's her day yeah I really was I was really we had some good food we ate a lot we went to the pool at the end of the day it was great sounds good well without further ado for all our listeners, we have a very, very special guest, well-known within so many different spaces. He's a husband, he's a son, he's an investor, he's, he's a real estate investor. He's also a business owner, a good friend. Content a, creator. creator. A content creator. He's crushing it on the YouTube space with a tons of gems and knowledge that he is dropping. And for a busy man, too, he responds quickly. Like, it's unbelievable. God. And he is from my hometown here in Georgia. Oh, yes. How can I forget that? (laughs) Guys, please welcome Abraham Gray to Money Mondays. Abraham. What's up? What's up? (laughs) Yeah. I had a lot of friends. I had a lot of friends over in Miami um, last week for that uh, fun, fun conference. Eddie yeah. Charger, yeah, he went last minute. Eddie Charger, Alexis, Morgan, a lot of uh, a lot of my friends from here. They all they all went there, yeah. Oh yes, I met. I actually met Alexis there the first time at that event too. Yeah. That is insane because she's like because they have like a whole black card program and everything. Yeah. And she's like, I'm thinking of joining. I was like, I just did. <laughs> yeah. but it, was good. it was a really really good networking i'm not gonna lie 
Yeah, I saw a lot. I saw like a lot of friends there in pictures that you were posting. Man, like two over two thousand people too. Yeah, but it was it's pretty amazing. But for persons who don't know Abraham Gray, tell us a little about who the famous Abraham Gray is. Who am I? I you know um, have fun every day. I uh, do a lot of business, a lot of real estate, and um, that's what keeps me busy all day. So. If you look around my office, I have like dozens and dozens of businesses all around that I have, and I'm buying a lot of real estate like every every day. Or you know, I'm buying more properties, selling more properties. So that's what keeps me busy. Man, what is insane is that Abraham, the first time I met Abraham, he was so cool, and he's in flip flops. Yeah, always. Always. <laughs> that's all I have. Yeah. He's like, oh my god, aren't you cool? He's like, no. Yes. Oh my gosh. I've seen him in his pictures where he goes to flips or like houses that really need some rehab and he's still yeah. in flip-flops. Yeah, I'm immune to everything. I'm immune. That is so, insane. Yeah, yeah. And I saw you were talking about Pace speaking over there at, at the conference. And uh yeah, that's pretty cool. Pace, Pace, we became good friends. We actually have uh we do a lot of property together now. So we own properties all over the country together. Because you guys were doing um, investing with Pace and Abraham and stuff too as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're, our goal is to own at least one property in every state by hopefully, our goal is to do it by the end of the year. There's a few states that are going to be tough, but we're going to we're gonna see what states are left over at the end and we're going to try to get aggressive on these. How did, you guys, how did you guys come up with this um, goal? So... So, you know, Pace uh, was sub too. He just is always looking out for everybody, all the, all the community. And he's had a lot of people that come up to him that are like, look, I found these really good deals, but I can't, uh, I don't have the money to, for the entry fees to own them. And either I have to wholesale them, which is okay if they're making money, but a lot of times they just go dead. They don't, they don't have someone to wholesale them to and they yeah. lose these deals. So, uh, you know, we were talking, I was like, you know what? Like, why don't we just partner with, with people that have good deals? And we'll, we, like, here's the thing. With private money lenders, right? Because this is Money Monday. Private money lenders. How do you get private money lenders? They're people that you know. They're people that trust you. They're people like your friends, your network, your people that you know on social media, your family, whatever. Those are the people that lend you money because they like you and trust you. My private money lenders trust me. Your private money lenders trust you. I can't borrow money from your private money lenders. You're not going to be able to borrow from mine because you don't have that rapport yet. But me and Pace have like unlimited amounts of private money lenders if you need it. And they won't lend to just anybody. But what we discussed with them, they're like, you know what? We will lend to anybody if you guys are part of the deal. If you guys are, if you guys are partners on the deal, we'll lend to anybody. And you know, we're backing it. That's why. Because like if the our partners don't pay, we're gonna pay for them. So that opened up like like eight million dollars, like right away, um, that we had with private money lenders. And we're our you know we're buying only creative deals, so like eight million is like eighty million dollars worth of property because we're putting down ten percent on average. So we could buy eighty million dollars worth of properties with our private money lenders with other with other people. So Pace is like, Lou, let's help everybody in the community, and um, you underwrite all the deals. Um, I'll you know help you market it to get you know as many people send us deals, and um, we have all our private money lenders between me and Pace that are going to lend the money. And it was just a win-win for everybody. And then everybody that can't afford to own properties long-term could now own properties as long as they find the deal. So that's kind of how it all came together. Like, you know, it was like a thought and then we kind of put, you know, more thought into it. And then we just kind of put it all together. I mean, that was like, when I first saw it, I was like, that is amazing. Yeah. Because a lot of persons, they would think, okay, if I want to own, but eventually I need to just keep wholesaling, wholesaling. And they would love to keep the deal, but as you said, they just don't have the money to take it down. So what you guys are doing is fantastic. And because they even do a Zoom, two-hour Zoom. Yeah, every Thursday. Every Thursday we do two-hour Zoom and we explain the program and then we underwrite deals. People that have deals that want to, you know, and I explain like why a deal is good, why a deal is not good and kind of help people tweak it to where every deal could be good or at least how they know like when they're locking up deals if they're locking up good or bad deals. And, you know, it's, it's really simple once you understand it. So I try to, you know, give everyone the, the key pointers to make sure that they only lock up good deals, you know. And that, that what you're doing too is pretty good because you have some person who be like, no, this is not a deal, next. 
And yeah. that's a good segue to like our, our first question that we wanted I to break it down. I break it down. Everyone that sends me a bad deal, I break it down why it's a bad deal and what could be changed to make it a good deal. Yeah. yeah. So, so you underwrite all your deals that you lend on. Yeah. Yeah. So I lend out, I lend out a lot of, of money. I have like over $10 million right now lent out to people. Um, but yeah, I have, I never really, I've never really gotten burned. I, you know, I, I follow my procedures and as long as you follow what I do, you'll be fine, you know, but I have people come to me all the time and they're like, you know what? I just got screwed on this deal. I just got screwed on this deal. How do I get my money? And I'm like, well, explain to me the deal. And like, everybody does it wrong. Like everyone does it wrong. If you do it right, you're, you're totally safe. So I, you know, we could talk about how to, how to be safe. Yeah. Really any, anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about, but, um, I hate seeing like people in you know my communities or friends of mine like get burned. It sucks, and if they just knew what to do, they didn't do like certain things right, they would be fine. But we we know that you're you're a very busy man. Um, how do you handle underwriting so many different deals? Are you doing it by yourself? Do you have a team? How does that work? I'm quick, so um, <laughs> yeah. Explain your process a little bit. I could I could I could underwrite deals in a minute. Like you could send me 20 deals, and in 30 minutes, I'll have them all underwritten. Like. I'm really fast because I do so much of it and I own like so many properties and I bought so many properties, so, so many properties that I'm really quick. Um, but like the, t the thing that takes the longest is like when people send me bad deals, like responding to them, why they're bad deals, that takes me an extra few minutes every single deal. But, um, you know, basically my day is spent trying to buy more deals. That's what my day is spent like, right? So I don't really do a lot of the operations. I don't really do any, a lot of the rehab. So even though I'm really busy and I have a ton of businesses, like I have someone that runs all my businesses. Like I don't even go to any of my businesses very rarely, you know, I, I don't need to, I, I do every once in a while, but not because I have to. And as far as all the properties I buy, like I don't run them, I don't manage them. I don't uh, work on the rehab. So I, I mean, what is my time? Even though I have all this stuff, my time is spent trying to get new deals, trying to help people figure out what, what to do so they can get deals. And you know what? when they buy deals, guess what? They sell me a lot of them, you know? So it ends up working out, you know, sometimes they keep some, sometimes they sell me some, but yeah. at least they know how to lock up good deals to bring to me or anybody else. Um, but yeah, so my day is spent underwriting, uh, negotiating, um, finding deals. So that's, that's what my day is. What does, so think, what about someone who's looking to lend? Um, as it relates to the due diligence process, what are some key things that they need to look out for in a deal before they decide that, okay, I'm going to lend on this? I would say the absolute most important thing by far, by far, is making sure you have good collateral. If you have good collateral, you can't lose money. And when I say good collateral, um, make sure like if you're lending on property, because that's probably what we're going to talk about mostly now. Although yeah. I lend on all kinds of stuff, but we'll talk just about property because that's what everybody you know, that we know is lending on. When I say good collateral, the collateral, to be good collateral, it has to be worth significantly more than what you're lending on. It has to be in a, a city that you are comfortable knowing that, you know, what the comp is and what it's worth now. So like, don't loan 100% what it's worth. Don't loan even 90% what it's worth usually. Don't loan, definitely don't loan more than it's worth. But on yeah. top of that, you have, to, you have to know the market, right? I only lend in Atlanta. I only lend in Georgia. I won't lend to anywhere else. I do transactional loans for double closings anywhere in the country, but that doesn't matter because I can tell you how I do that and how I'm safe doing that. But basically it doesn't matter what the, what the property is worth. I don't, I could lend more than it's worth or less. doesn't matter. I'm not going to get hurt because when I do a transactional loan and we'll talk about fix and flip loans mostly, cause that's really what's more important. But yeah. for transactional loans, um, the reason why I do them anywhere is because the title company or closing attorney emails me um, basically the, the AB settlement statement, and then I will see how much I need to wire. And then I'll send them a payoff letter with, um, how, you know, with my interest or whatever my fee is included. And I'll say, look, I need to see the BC with my payoff on there. And then they'll send me that. So I'll know that I am already definitely going to get paid that on the BC. And then I make it to where they are not allowed to disperse my funds until they get the BC funds. Like they could, I could, I could wire them the money but they cannot release my funds until the BC funds are there. Because if they release my funds and the BC never pays, now I'm stuck with this F. So um, it's very clear that they're not allowed to do that. It all has to happen. Now, sometimes I've wired money and the BC people don't, don't wire the money until the day later, which is fine. 
my money just stays in escrow with the attorney or the title company until that comes in. If the BC never comes in, then they have to wire the money back to me and, and the transaction is dead. But mm -hmm. that really never happens. Most of the transactional loans I do, it's pretty much gonna double close. Like 99% you know, end up happening. Once in a blue moon, they'll have to send me the money back without. But that's how I'm, I'm safe. So on transactional loans, I don't require any, any document signed by the, by the person I'm lending the money to, nothing. I don't care because the attorney or title company emails me back confirming they are not gonna release funds until they get to BC. So as long as I have that in writing and uh, I see my payoff on the BC, and that's what I require. Gotcha. Guys, I know we're giving advice here, and, and this is just our personal experience. Betsy will kill us. <laughs> yes, the following information is for educational purposes only. Please do your own diligence. We do not provide financial, legal, or professional advice. This is our experience. We are not certified in. Just um, <laughs> yeah. sharing our experience. I'm not accountable. Abraham is not accountable. Betsy is not accountable. I'll tell you another. I'll tell you another way people get screwed, right? I'll tell you another way people get screwed. Yeah. People will wire money without without confirming hundred percent that they're wiring it to the right place. So there's a lot of scams out there where people are sending wire information for an attorney and then they're sending it to a fake attorney. Like so, you got to make sure you got to verify. So for me, every time I wire money. I have like a few step process to wire money, whether it's a transactional fund, whether it's a fix and flip, doesn't matter, any type of loan. Um, I always have to Google the attorney or title company and they have to come up that they've been around for, you know, more than a, a day or a few weeks. Yeah. And I, I love seeing like at least some reviews, but that's not the end of the world. But I see that they have a website. I see that they've been around for a little while. Then I call the number on Google. I don't call the number on the wire information that I get a sheet. Because if the wire information is fake, the phone number is going to be fake too. So I only call the number that's on Google. If the number's on Google, I'll call that number. And then I say, hey, I need to a, I need a, you know, verify your wire information. And they have to read it to me um, over the phone on the Google number that I called. I, I, will not, I will kill a deal and not wire money if I cannot get a hold of somebody on their Google number. Wow. That, guys, I hope you guys are taking notes. Yeah. With verifying the wire. That, that's how you be extra, extra safe to protect yourself. Because yeah. as Abraham mentioned, I've heard those stories before where persons wired money to a fake title company. And I was like, what? Oops. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they send emails and they just change a little bit. So it looks like the title company. It looks like everything's legit. But mm -hmm. the con artists are really good. And then, you know, you can even put fake stuff on the internet, but you can't have like a fake one for too long or have reviews or be able to actually call and, and do all that. From a, it's really hard to get on Google because yeah. you have to verify everything. So of course, this is common sense for most people. And I shouldn't even have to say this, but you never wire money to anybody besides a title company or, or a closing attorney. I think everybody knows that, but yeah. you know, whatever. So anyway, so that, that's transactional fund, funding. Now, um, most of the loans that I do are, I mean, I do a ton of transactional funds. I, do, I actually just worked the deal with Jamil Danji. Uh, yeah, so we, we we went to dinner last week, and we just opened a company together that we're gonna do. Yeah, we're gonna do transactional funding. It's just me and him. We're gonna do transactional funding, and he has a few people. So we're going to. He's gonna start in the next in, over the next week or two. He's gonna start blasting um, advertising that that we're doing this. This is pretty cool. So, yeah, so now I have now I have a you know I've had a business now with uh, with Pace owning a bunch of properties. <laughs> now I own a business with Jamil. That we do a lot of uh, loans and stuff, so it's pretty cool. But, it's amazing. Congrats. You're ready to hear you guys. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jamil and Pace are both the, the coolest people, so, you know. But, um, all right, so with, with just regular loans, um, again, you have to know what the prices were. So I see people, this is a big mistake I see people do. Um, some of the biggest mistakes. They loan money to people without really knowing what the value is. That's one of the big mistakes. A second big mistake is loaning money to people in second or third position, not understanding, not understanding what that means. And then thirdly, a big mistake is loaning money to people and not knowing how to foreclose if the person doesn't pay. So I'm safe because anytime someone doesn't pay me, I'm able to foreclose. And I only loan in Atlanta for a few reasons. First off, I know the market really well. I know the foreclosure proceedings. 
And I have a foreclosure attorney that any single time I need them to foreclose, they can foreclose. I know what it costs. I know everything is, it's easy. And it takes like less than two months. It has to be in the newspaper or in the, on the internet for like a, a month. Yeah. But usually from start to finish, a two month process. And anyone that owes me money doesn't pay me within two months, you know, I get their property and I sell it. And I only loan them enough to where I know that after my attorney fees, after the hassle, after them not paying the interest, I'm going to get all my money back. And there's extra money there that I'm going to basically charge them for a pain in the ass fee is what I call it. But like <laughs> I'll add money to what they owe me. Sure. You, can add, you can add all kinds of interest and fees and stuff if you have to foreclose. So um, there's four things that's super important you have to have every time you loan somebody money for more than a transactional loan. There's four things you have to have. If you don't have all four, you fucked up. And that's what most people also, they don't have these four. They might have one of the four, you know, yeah. and two of the four. You have to have all four to be super safe. So what are the four? The first one and the most important one is called a security deed. In Georgia, it's called a security deed. Um, in some states, it's called a deed of trust. But it's, either a, it's all the same thing. It's basically a deed that shows that, look, I'm, this person signs, look, this person is lending me money. This is how much money they're lending me. And they are going to file a lien in the county courthouse that shows that they have the right to this property, um, you know, for this amount of money that they loan me. If I don't pay them, then, you know, they could foreclose. Yeah. So in a lot of states, it's called a security deed. In some states, it's called a deed of trust. But some states, it might be called something different even. I don't know. But those are the two most common things. you got to have that. Any attorney that's going to close a deal for you will know what it is in that state, and they'll file it for you. I always have the attorney file it for me. You just, which that was going to be my next question because to ask you who does um, work on your paperwork, I've known persons who are like, always, it's always the attorney, always the attorney draws it. So they drop everything. So, um, and yeah, there's a little bit of a, of a, of a cost, but it's not, it's not like that much. And uh, it's whoever's borrowing the money pays it. You know, that's, that's what they need uh, as part of the closing costs. Like I don't even charge closing costs. I just charge a flat fee, but they have to pay all the attorney you know, fees for drawing up the paperwork. Yeah. So I don't get any of the money. The attorney gets all the money and, um, and then I just get the interest every month. But, so that's the first one, probably most important. Now, the second thing, second most important with, and this is the thing that most people get, but it's almost worthless without the security deed. So without the security deed, this thing that everybody says they have is absolutely like toilet paper almost, right? <laughs> so the next and most important thing that you need is called a promissory note. And a promissory note is super important. Like if you have a security deed, but you don't have a promissory note, there's a big problem. You need to have them together. So the difference between a promissory note and a security deed is a security deed shows how much, how much is owed and how much you lent them. And then it gets filed in the county. So the county knows. So any single time there's a title report pulled, it will show that you have to get paid before they can sell. A promissory note shows how you're supposed to get paid. So let's just say this: the, I loan somebody a hundred thousand. The promissory, the security will show that this person owes me a hundred thousand. The promissory note will show: okay, this person owes me a hundred thousand. They're supposed to pay me fifteen hundred dollars interest every month on the twentieth. They have six months, and there's a balloon. If they don't pay me in six months, um, you know the loan's over, and I can foreclose. So even if they pay me every single month, if you have a balloon in there and they don't pay you out in full at the balloon, you could foreclose because the 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 promissory note's over. It's six. So I, I do a six month uh, balloon on every single, I do a six month balloon on every single loan I do. Yeah. And in six months, if the people don't pay me, I could foreclose. However, if the person doesn't pay me, you know, if the person pays me my interest every single month, I'll just keep letting it go. Like I'll never foreclose. I'll just give them seven months, eight months, nine, as long as they're paying. But the second they don't pay, then, I, then I'll foreclose. So- um, do, you give, do you give a, what do you call that? Um... Notice? Extension? I give extensions because I have so much cash, it doesn't matter, laying around, that I could afford to do that. But for most people, if they're loaning somebody $100,000, that might be all the money that they have to work with. And they're like, look, I, I could loan them that money for six months, but in seven, eight months, I need to use that money for something else. So you got to put that balloon in there because even if they're paying you every month, you might have to foreclose because you need that money for something else. For me, I just let it keep going as long as they're paying me. Yeah, gotcha. Right. Um, but there has to be a balloon on every single on every single note. There has to be a balloon, whether the balloons in, in six months, a year, 10 years, 100 years. There has to be a balloon or else 
the person never has to pay you back, you know, besides the interest or whatever it, it is. All right. So Dada says, what is my flat rate? So I, I have like, um, I have like a few different things I do, but for the most part, again, I only loan mainly in Atlanta and in first position. I do make some exceptions for like second position, but it's very rare. Um, once I get to second position, um, then I have another criteria that has to fall into place. Like I only loan people second position if I really know them well and I trust them even a lot more because when you're, when you have to foreclose and you're in second position, it's a whole nother hassle, but, um, it's just harder. A lot of times you have to buy out the first position. A lot of times there, there's lots of different headaches you have to do. So um, I will loan only the second position if it's someone I really, really know well. But um, again, a lot of this is just from learning, from making mistakes, you know, in the past. But um, it's dangerous to loan a second position. So my flat rate is, so if I'm loaning somebody enough to where I am super comfortable that if they don't pay me, I can foreclose, get my money back and I'm fine. I charge most people one and a half percent a month. So for every hundred thousand bucks, that I get fifteen hundred dollars a month in um, an interest, and it's just interest only every month until it's paid off. That's my normal amount. Now, if somebody wants to borrow, let's just say somebody has a home, has a house, and they want to borrow a hundred thousand, and I'm like very, very comfortable at like eighty-five thousand, loaning them eighty-five thousand. I know like they don't pay me after my attorney fees are eighty-five thousand. I'm safe. I'm gonna get my money back plus my interest but they want a hundred. Sometimes I will loan more than my, like what I really want to loan. And if I loan more than 85, I'll be like, look, I'll loan you 85,000 at one and a half percent a month. Right. Which is 18% a year. Yeah. Or if you want me to go like 95 or a hundred, I might consider doing that on some deals for some people, I'm, but I don't feel as comfortable. It's more risky. I'm going to charge you 1.75% or 2% a month. And um, so that's, that's why I charge more. Um, but most people, I, I charge one and a half percent. If it's a deal that like is more risky, I'll charge more. So that's, that's how you figure out if you want to charge more, if it's risky for you. And what's risky for me can be different. You know, that's risky for you. you know, we're all different risk tolerance. So, so you um, mentioned those sort of two paperwork. So you mentioned the, the promissory note. You mentioned security. for the security. What are the other two paperwork that you're referring to? Okay. So the third thing that's really important is called an owner's title policy. An owner's title policy is um, something that basically if the, the property closes and the title didn't, something, something in the title didn't pull up and let's say there's other liens that they didn't catch um, mm -hmm. now, but like when you resell it, they might, it might come up. The title policy will pay those, pay those liens off because it's an insurance policy. So it's a so there's two different types of title policies. There's an owner's title insurance policy, and then there's a lender's title insurance policy. I always, as a lender, get the lender's uh, policy. And the lender's policy is a lot cheaper than the owner's policy, but um, it's only good as long as the loan is out there. So um, that will cover if there's a break in, a break in title of the chain somewhere, it'll, if there's a lien that's missed, or if there's you know utilities or something that didn't get paid, the insurance will actually pay all that. So keep in mind, the property is my collateral. So I need to make sure that collateral is good. And I know it's good because I comped it and I know that I'm happy with it, but mm -hmm. I don't know if there's a lien that gets missed or something like that when they pull title. It doesn't happen that often, but it happens sometimes. And um, if that happens, my collateral is no good because if there's a $10,000 lien that was missed, now I have to pay that 10,000 before I get my money and you know that can screw me up. So. Owner's title policy will solve all that. You don't have to worry about anything getting missed because that will cover it. Who's responsible for paying for that policy? Every, um, it's always the person borrowing the money. The person borrowing the money has to pay for everything. Yeah. None of this stuff is really expensive, by the way. So like, it sounds like, oh man, it's gonna be thousands and thousands of dollars. <laughs> it's not like, I know Atlanta really well because I, I loan in Atlanta, but like um, to drop a security deed, promissory note, I mean, a few hundred dollars and file it, depending on the attorney. And then a title policy is, is, is about two percent is about, you know, it's, it's the price of a percent of the house. So like, um, it's usually like a quarter of a percent of a house. Right. So for every hundred thousand dollars, a house, it might be like 200, it might be like a hundred, 200 bucks, depending on, on the policy, but there's a couple different types of, but it's, it's cheap. So like a two, $300,000 home, you, you're talking four or 500 bucks for that policy. The next thing the next thing, the fourth thing that you need 
And again, this is to protect your collateral. So obviously, if I tell you it's to protect your collateral, you should know what it is at this point. <laughs> what happens if the house burns down? Yeah. Now your collateral is worthless. Exactly. You need a, a regular insurance policy that in case something happens to the house, like it burns down, a tornado, hurricane, earthquake, whatever it is, that, um, that covers the house. So in the policy will show that you are the one that gets the money uh, up for whatever the, the lien amount is or the amount that, that's owed. And then after that, the rest goes to the homeowner. So those are the four things. You need security deed, promissory note, owner's title policy, and then a regular insurance policy if something happens to the house. Guys, and with all those documents, as you mentioned, you just account for them in your closing costs. Mm -hmm. uh, it's pretty cheap. And I, I think when I just started out to Abraham, I used to, when I used to hear like the policy and all that stuff, I was like, it's going to cost a lot of money. But then when you actually ask the title company, like, give me an idea, give me an estimate. You're like, oh, it's not that expensive. And just ask them to draft all the paperwork. Like when we're like raising capital for ordeals as well, we always tell our lenders, hey, we're not drafting any paperwork. Everything, everything is done through a title. Mm -hmm. Because we just want to make sure we're protected and their money is also safe and they're protected as much as possible. I've seen, I've seen people write their own documents and draft their own documents and they did it all wrong and it was worthless. So like, you know, it, literally everything is a few hundred bucks, a thousand bucks if it's expensive property. But like um, drawing, drawing all the, the deeds and promissory notes shouldn't be more than a few hundred bucks. The lender's title policy, another few hundred bucks or more, depending on the price of the home. And the insurance policy is not much per month. So, I mean, you, I mean, everything should be under a thousand bucks, no matter what, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. But you're loaning, you're borrowing a lot, you know, hundreds of thousands of bucks sometimes. So it's not that much. Just, just, just like, just account for it in your closing costs. Yeah. People are just lazy and sometimes want to go the, what do you call it? The easy way route or the cheap way out. And you're like, just, just pay for it. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the only way to be safe. So the things that I see people do the most stupid that I've seen people get screwed the most, okay? And it's, and it's, it's because they don't know. Like, I used to do this stuff too, so I'm not even fun of anybody. I'm yeah. saying because I don't want you to do this. People loan money to people in markets, they have no idea about that market. Like, like, oh, you're in Iowa? Okay, I'll loan you money. You're in Texas? Okay, I'll loan you money. You're in Chicago? I'll loan you money. Where do you live? I live in Atlanta. I don't know shit about those places. So, like, I don't even know if I'm loaning the right amount, you know? It's, it's hard to comp. And then on top of that, you know, it's hard to know like what the rehabs needed, all, all this other stuff. So I, I would say one of the biggest problems is people loan money in the in states they don't, they're not comfortable. And then on top of that, if they don't get paid, they don't know how to foreclose. Yeah. And uh, I've seen people get screwed with foreclosure attorneys and stuff like that. Um, another big problem is people loan a lot in second position, which um, you can only loan in second position if, you, if you're really comfortable with the person that you're loaning it to. So people are like, oh, they're in this group. I know they got to be good. Fuck, there's 9,000 people in that group. You know, like, yeah, 99.9% .9 of them are good, but, you know, the one tenth yeah, of 1% that's going to screw you. So you, you got to know them. Like, if you know them, you're comfortable. Maybe what I would do is say, look, who, 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 who do I know that you know that we both know that you've done deals with so I could talk to them? Don't just say, okay, who have you done deals with? Let me call them. They might just give you 10 of their friends to call. Like someone that you both know, so you could know for sure that they are good and that they've done deals and they've done what they're saying. You know what I mean? So that referral is key. Yeah, referral yeah. that you guys know. Um, so that's 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 super crucial. Um, and then, like I said, so second position, you got to be really careful. You got to know what you're doing. Um, oh, this is this is a great question, Kath Kathleen. So, do you always get interest payments monthly and not the end of the term? I always get interest monthly and not the end of the term for a lot of reasons. First off, uh, the times that I've ever gotten almost screwed are the times that the people have to pay me at the end. Um, mm -hmm. People are way more invested and, and want to pay you back. If they're paying you every month and like four or five months, six months down the road, like, oh, fuck, I already paid 10,000 bucks. I got to make sure. But if they don't have to pay you anything till the end, they're like, well, shit, I have nothing invested in this. So like, fuck them, you know, if, if they don't get it, whatever. So they're way more invested. Um, I know also they're a better person if they pay you every month better person meaning that they have some money right that they're a better risk like mm -hmm. someone that can't pay you monthly and they can only pay you at the end if the deal that they're doing doesn't go good how the hell are you gonna get paid you're gonna lose but if they could pay you every month then you know they're better you know credit wise 
Yeah. So that's what I'm talking about. Credit-wise, they're better. So you want people to pay you every month. It's just safer. Now, have I ever done deals where people paid me all at the end? I have, but I charge a lot more for that because it's more risky. It's just more risky. So it's like you got to charge more for it. But at some point, I don't care about charging more. I care about my risk. I care about making sure that whatever I do, I'm going to get back. So um, if, you're, if you're willing to make a lot more money and be more risky, then, then you could do certain things. You know, but like I, to me, the most important thing is I get my money back. That's the most important thing. And then after that, I want to make sure that I make, you know, the most interest I could, but I also don't want to charge somebody a ridiculous amount of interest because if I'm charging somebody way too much interest, I know that I'm setting them up to fail. They're never going to be able to pay me back. So I want to make sure it's fair. So I, I want to look at the property, see that they're going to make a lot of money on it on a fix and flip. And then if I see that there's a lot of money to be made on it, then I'm, I'm comfortable that they can pay me back and they can pay me a higher interest rate because they're making a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't want to loan money to someone that's tight on a tight deal because they, they, don't, they can't afford to pay me. Or they might not even, you know, make money on it and then how are you going to get paid? Man, yeah, like, there's, you're dropping so much gems right now and you, I like how you, you're just keeping it super simple. You're not using yeah. the technical terms to frighten anyone and you're giving your honest yeah. opinion so anyone who's experienced or new or anything like that they fully understand if they're looking to lend or borrow money what they're getting themselves into what i wanted to ask is um you're a master at investing you've done a tons and tons of deals tell me about a deal or anything where you had to foreclose on and what lesson did you really learn from that or one of your biggest takeaways? I've, I've, I've had to foreclose maybe like, uh, there's been like four, four. so in the last like six months, there's been four deals where people didn't pay me and I had to foreclose. Mm -hmm. So um, two of them so far, they, instead of me foreclosing, they signed over a deed in lieu of foreclosure. So it's just a deed saying that, look, you don't have to foreclose. I fucked up, I can't pay you. I'm going to like just sign the property over to you. And, it, and it's called a D in lieu of foreclosure. And then they sign that, it gets filed. And guess what? Now I own the property. I don't have to foreclose. The only reason why I'm foreclosing is to get the property, to get it sold so I can get my money back. But if they sign that over, now it's your property. Now you deal with selling it. Now, keep in mind that you should have did your due diligence ahead of time and made sure that the home is worth a lot less than what, than what you're loaning. So if you fucked up and loaned them too much, that's, that's on you, right? So... Um, I do that twice. So both times I got the home back, I just was able to sell it pretty fast. I got all my money back and I actually got extra money. And I actually made deals with the people that I took it over that if I get more money than, than I'm owed, I'll give you the extra money, which I don't even have to, but I just, it makes them, it makes them more likely to sign the, the home over to you and, you know, um, and stuff like that. So, um, for both times I got a deal in lieu and I sold the property and I got like, 10, 15,000 more than, than that they owed me. And I just gave them the money at, at the end. Now, here's the thing. If somebody, if I loan somebody money and they don't pay me, well, if, let's go the opposite way. If I loan somebody money and they keep paying me, you know, the interest and then they pay me back, I'll keep loaning them, I'll keep loaning them money on more and more deals. Yeah. Some people I have a crazy amount of loans with because they're good for it. They keep paying me back. Now, if somebody I loan money to doesn't pay me back, you would probably think, well, you're never going to loan them money again. You shouldn't, probably. But if they are good people and they try to do the right thing and they're like, look, I fucked up. Like, what can I do? And they talk to me, they work with me and they pay me whatever they can. And then at the end, they're like, you know what? Here, I just got to sign the property over to you. I'll give you a deal of lieu. And they do that and everything's easy. We don't, you know, they don't avoid me. They don't like, you know, um, not answer my emails and calls and we work it out. I will still loan them money in the future. I might be more careful. I might not loan them as much. Or I might charge them more. But if I know that they're good enough to sign over a deed in lieu if they can't pay me or at least, you know, not at least contact me and let me know what's going on, I'll still loan those people money probably. Mm -hmm. So that, that's kind of important. Now, when I foreclose on somebody, that goes on their record. Like they have a foreclosure on their record. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's stupid for somebody to, but a lot of times it's in their LLC and they'll just get rid of the LLC and open a new LLC. Mm -hmm. So in theory, they could say, you know, they didn't get foreclosed on and then someone would have to find that LLC. But if they use that same LLC, they'll know for sure. Yeah. Um, if they bought it in their own name, it will be on their name. But um, so, so that, that happened for two. So there's two other ones. So the other one, 
um, I had foreclosed and um, literally this person just wouldn't answer their, my calls or emails or texts or anything. So I didn't, you know, I don't have a choice at that point. Right. And I said, look, you're not giving me a choice. They don't give me a choice. It, they thought I was full of shit. So I foreclosed and they, and they had like a decent amount of equity in it. So it didn't make any sense. You know, I gave them options of signing a deal of foreclosure. I'll pay them the equity. They didn't want to hear any of it. So, you know, at that point they just, they just thought I was full of shit. So I foreclosed literally like, a few days before the foreclosure, they call me up. I haven't heard from them in like two months. I'm like, oh, what's up? You know, you're about to, the house is going to get foreclosed on in a couple of days. Yeah, I know. I saw this and that. So like, what can I do to not? And I was like, well, I would have taken like this much money before, you know, to stop it. But now I need like double or triple because I know I'm going to have to do this again. Yeah. Um, so they ended up paying me like, like all the interest that was due, like literally a day before the foreclosure. And I called the foreclosure term. I was like, don't foreclose. So I got it stopped. And, um, and actually that person, this was like a few months ago, um, for the next last couple months, they've been paying me interest and now they're supposed to sell the house this week. So I should have that one done. Now, another person, another person that, um, and this is something people got to be aware of. People don't even know. Another person that I for, uh, was foreclosing on, um, after I foreclosed, I was about to foreclose, I got the process all set up. They uh, filed bankruptcy. <gasps> so once you no. file bankruptcy, it stops all, all the foreclosure. You can't foreclose on somebody in bankruptcy. Yeah. So I had to um, pay the foreclosure attorney to foreclose, and then it was worthless because they filed bankruptcy. So now I have to go to a bankruptcy attorney and pay them to lift the bankruptcy on that property, which I was able to do, but it took an extra month, two months. So um, basically, if you know what you're doing, again, you have to have a good foreclosure attorney and you have, to have a good bankruptcy attorney if people do this shit. So it's just people are shitheads. Like they can work it out with you, but they just, they just don't. They don't even call you. Like you have no shot to work out if you don't talk to someone. So, um, so I got the, I got the, um, I got the bankruptcy uh, overturned. So, you know, it was like two months to, to that point and another two months. So like four months and then I foreclosed, I sold the property, you know, the property gets sold at the auction and then I get my money. Um, and the, the last one is actually somebody in sub two that owes a lot of people money and they won't talk to anybody. If somebody knows this person, I could talk to them. That'd be great. Yeah. But I already, um, I already like have this property. It's a long story. I could tell you the story. I don't know if you have time, but basically, yeah, it's um, someone that's owes a lot of people money. Um, I'm, I'm in first position and I'm in it for like a hundred thousand less than what it's worth, but yeah. they're in second and third position. They're going to lose all their money. So I feel bad for them, but uh, plus they owe money to people. And all. So this particular person, her name is Barika and she, she lives in Texas and um, she actually um, borrowed money from a lot of people. And this is the crazy thing, which is fucking crazy. But she was like months behind paying everybody, right? And she didn't pay anyone. And then people are like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden she went like radio silent. You couldn't get a hold of her. So um, all of a sudden they didn't know what to do because a lot of people don't know about foreclosing. They didn't, they were in second position. They, they didn't do anything right. And all of a sudden they started getting letters in the mail. So I have a couple people, they're all in sub too. They got letters. They sent it to me like, did you get this letter? I was like, what the letter say? It's a letter from an attorney. Marika is suing all the people that lend her money because they were charging her too much interest. And she and the attorney's like, because you're charging more than what you're allowed to charge, the whole the whole loan could be void and you could lose everything. And so she she um, sent this to everyone. Now there's only so, there's only a few states that have like a usury law where you're only allowed to, uh, only allowed to charge a certain amount. Yeah, like Florida. But, Florida is like that. Yeah, you have to know what, what state. So not Georgia, but yeah. uh, Texas is the main state that like she borrowed money from that everyone that loaned her money for Texas deals is like, is getting screwed. So I actually had someone call me today. Like, I don't even know what to do at this point. Cause like the attorney's not even like, you know, making sense. And the attorney was like, if you lower the interest and you lower how much she owes you, she'll pay you. But then like, that didn't even happen. So like, they're like, I don't even know. Like they're, I have, I lent somebody, I lent this person money and they're suing me and they're trying to screw me because- yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing about her that I found out about Brika. So what I found out was that she joined like sub two. She joined a whole bunch of other groups and she joined all these groups just to borrow money. So there's a lot of people that tell me, she's like, oh yeah, after she joined the group, she got friendly and started buying all this money and like didn't really pay anyone back. So she joined these groups just to, so she's like, oh yeah, I'm this member. I'm this member. I'm this member. All kinds of groups, like a lot of groups. 
Wow. And, and that's how, that's, that was her deal. So it was worth paying the whatever, eight, 10 grand to join all these groups. Just she, she borrowed like hundreds of thousands of dollars, like hundreds and hundreds, like maybe, maybe in the millions of dollars, potentially. I don't even know all the people she, that, that is. I only know a few of the people. Wow. And they're all screwed. So the quick story is I never loan money out of Georgia or Atlanta usually, but for Barika, she had this one deal. She's like, I need to borrow money for like two or three days. She's like, I already have, this is the scam, right? So I was like, okay, fine. I was like, I never do this, but like, she's like, look, it's a, it's a gap loan. I have like my hard money lender. It's going to give me the money in three days. Here's all the paperwork. You can look, you can talk to them, all this stuff. You can see all the emails. So, but I need to buy it from the seller today because today's the last day on the contract, but I need like three days for the hard money. So I'm, I'm borrowing the money for three days. I'm like, I never do this out of state, but whatever. I just did it. That's the last time I did it. It was like in October of last year. Anyhow, so bottom line is three days come. So the hard money lender, of course, never funds it. This was last October. Yeah. We're in May now. It still hasn't. Nothing happened. She's promised all these different things. So anyway, um, bottom line is, I know the person that's in second position. They came to me. I didn't know them before, but they're like, oh man, like I'm having the same problem. They didn't pay me, all this stuff. Um, what am I going to do? So I loaned, I loaned $185,000. And uh, this other person loaned like one hundred and ten dollars in second position. The property is probably worth two fifty dollars in the condition it's in. So I, I'm good. My one eighty-five, dollars I'm 100% fine. However, I don't have a, this property is in New Mexico and I don't have a foreclosure attorney there, although I do have one now because I found one, but I don't like finding it and knowing. Luckily, the laws for foreclosing in, in New Mexico aren't like crazy. It's, it's, um, it's somewhat similar to Atlanta. But um, this is what I did. With all the fees Barika owes me, um, she owes me like 185 plus whatever. Like with, on our promissory note, it shows what she owes me. It's around 230000 So if, if we foreclose, I would get 230000 And the person in the second position would get the rest. Well, the person in the second position probably has zero equity. But they lend her 100 and some thousand. So... I basically worked the deal with the person in second position um, to buy me out and I'll give them my first position because um, I would get 230. But instead of the 230, basically taking me out for basically the 185 I'm in it and plus a yeah. small like little fee. So they're basically, I'm basically going to break even, make 5,000 bucks, but um, that person is going to save 50,000, you know, save 40,000 bucks by buying my first position. So that's actually happening uh, this week or next week. And I'll, they'll have to deal with it, but they'll be in first position. Like if not, they lose their whole, all, their, all their money. You know, this is, there are so many, I, I can't even know how to describe it. Even the best of the best, like things happen. Like Abraham would never have thought this would have happened because duh, if he thought it would, he wouldn't have lent on it. But it just goes to show you guys that you, Things can happen, but just make sure you have the right paperwork or whatever it is or the team to mitigate those risks. If it happens, then what? Yes, and it all goes back to that relationship. That person that was in second position talked to you, Abraham, and you guys were able to work something out. Like, yeah, that, that's that's a big loss on him if he wasn't able to go out and like talk to you and work something out. Yeah, yeah. the person in second position's in another real estate group. I'm not in it, but. They only loaned Barika money because Barika joined that group and they were in it together. And this is, it's not even, it's not even sub two or astro flipping. It's another total group I'm not even in. But like, this person is like joining groups to borrow money to fuck people. I'm going to put her on blast. Be careful because there's, she's still in all these groups. Like they don't kick, they don't kick her out of these groups because they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything to get kicked out. You know, it's not like they posted anything better. You know, it's like, um, the, the, the leadership of all these groups aren't like judges. They don't like hear one story and be like, you know, whatever. Um, so like, it's, it's not their fault. You know, they can't kick them out or not kick them out. They didn't, you know, but uh, so you just gotta be careful who you're dealing with because there's still in a lot of groups. Oh my God. But guys, what we're really talking about for those of you, of you who are just joining is like the best practices of lending and borrowing, whether you're an investor or as a private money lender. And we have the great Abraham Gray, who it has lent on a thousand, like tons of deals, whether it's real estate, um, businesses, transactional lending, he has done a bunch of stuff and he's here sharing his experience with us and giving tips. 
Abraham, before we wrap up, what advice would you give to anyone who's looking to lend? Like what we just talked about the whole time, make sure the collateral is good. That's the most important thing. Make sure the collateral, you understand how to foreclose if you need to. Like go into, first off, don't lend money that you can't afford to lose because if you can't afford to lose it, there's a definitely just know there's a chance anytime you lend somebody money, you're going to lose it, especially if you don't know everything about, you know, how to get it back. But make sure the collateral is good. Make sure you understand how to get the collateral back if you don't get paid. Man. Have all the right paperwork. Have all the right paperwork. And the right paperwork. <laughs> Make sure it's done by the right persons. Oh, my God. That's her name. Uh, hey, right if you're not sure, if you didn't hear everything I talked about, and you're not sure how, you know, what paperwork is right, always ask the closing attorney or title company and ask them, what is what, what do I need? How do I protect myself 100%? Ask them, let them tell you, you know, if you, if you missed what I, what I said, if you do what I said, you're fine. By, by the way, I, I put like some really cool YouTube videos out on this. If you follow me on YouTube, uh, it's just my name, Abraham Gray. I have like really cool videos on lending, on borrowing, on fix and flipping, on businesses, on anything that has to do with money or anything I do. So you should definitely watch some of those videos. And we'll also put the handle for anyone who missed it. We're going to put it in the description that goes straight to his Instagram, straight to his YouTube. It should be already if you already are a subscriber. If you look down in the comments, you can see the description. You can see his handle. You can see his YouTube. It takes you directly there. We're subscribers. Um, I do follow. I, 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 it's so fun to like comment on his videos and he'll answer. Yeah. Abraham will answer. I answer him, yeah. If, it, if it's like something that is answerable, like if it's a sort some question or something funny, I'll definitely I'll definitely respond. So and that's like um, he responds to a, a lot of stuff, like every email, every email, every message, every, every text, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, you have to have to answer him. Yeah, and you would think like he would have someone like responding to him. I was like, how do you keep up? But that's good. Mm-hmm. Hey Simone, so besides watching this over and over, this this uh, podcast. Make sure you watch those videos that I'm talking about. Those videos, I probably have more stuff than some of those than we even talked about. And go deep. Well, no. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Money Mondays. We're here every Monday at 5 p.m. EST. And if you missed it, you can always go back and rewatch it. If you are a listener, we're also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to like this video, to subscribe to comment and let us know what your thoughts are and see you guys next week monday for another episode of money mondays